November 19th, 2020 was World Toilet Day. And on that occasion in Kathmandu, the mayor and uh, a few other people and even an organization from Canada inaugurated the model public toilet constructed by Aerospan. And it's this, this toilet system, basically this uh, community public bathroom is near the, the base of Swaibunath Stupo, also known as the Monkey Temple. It's the, it's the place there in Kathmandu, Nepal, where they got all the monkeys. It's a temple. People go there for pilgrimage. I was there for pilgrimage. Uh, and they upgraded the bathroom. Apparently, they did this in 2020. I, I don't really remember uh, being aware of this bathroom, and I can't remember if I even went there in 2020. I was a little surprised when I showed up. Well, basically, last week, I'm in Boise now. I spent two weeks in Nepal uh, and many days in Kathmandu, and uh, many of those days at the monkey temple, at Swaibunath Stupa, or sometimes referred to as Swambu in, in Nepal. And then even, this was like the last couple days I was uh, in Kathmandu, uh, I met a woman who has a very small restaurant, and we became friends. She was my shelter. I would eat breakfast and lunch there. I would stop in for water. We would chat. I would take breaks there. It was great. She's Tibetan. She lives in Nepal. I'm Tibetan Buddhist. So we just connected. It worked out really well. And, and she mentioned this bathroom. And I was like, oh, I don't really know that. And then on my circumambulations, I, I took a break and I was actually coming backwards, which is rare. I never kind of uh, walk the other way, but I wasn't doing any circumambulations, and I, I came to this bathroom. And uh, the first thing I noticed was it was very large, and then they were charging 15 rupees, which uh, is probably about 20 cents, if even that. It could be 17 cents. No, it's 15 rupees, I believe. Uh to use this bathroom. And, uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen when I walked in there, but I was like, whoa, this is pretty, like, upscale and modern. Now, they did have a toilet that was kind of reserved for people with disabilities, and I could have used it, but it's really for people in wheelchairs who need help kind of thing. Uh, so I just used the regular bathroom, which has no toilets. They're just you just got to squat, right? They have a porcelain hole in the ground. and uh, But these were nice, and it was clean, and uh, they, they had like little lifts for your feet. You know, they were angled upward just so you could get a good squat. Now, keep in mind, this ain't a, a toilet with a squatty potty. This is squatting to use 
the toilet, basically, to go to the bathroom. So it was nice to have those angles where you're, you put your feet up. It kind of lifted up your heels. You know, you still need good aim. Uh, you still have to be comfortable with the bidet. And if you want to use toilet paper, you better bring your own because they don't really supply that. But they had a lot of soap. Uh, they had paper towels and they had an electric hand dryer that was solar powered. So this bathroom had it going on. Now, why did I just spend four and a half minutes talking about this bathroom? Because it was pretty cool. They had an attendant. And this person, it happened to be a lady when I was there, she kept the place clean, kept the place stocked. And then when I came out, she offered me black tea. And I was a little stunned at first. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll take some black tea. And it was actually very good. It was actually very good. Now, I'm telling you this because uh, I had a very interesting one-handed experience at this really cool toilet. I thought this toilet was so cool. And then I read that sign that I read part of it from that this kind of was deeply upgraded or built uh, around November 20th, 2020. And uh, I got I to tell you, when I was walking up to the bathroom, it was the first time I was going up backwards, you know, just kind of walking the other way. And I, you know, there's a lot of vendors and a lot of them are just sitting on the street kind of with a blanket out selling their stuff. And there was a group of women just kind of eyeballing me because I don't have two hands. Now, basically, I think most people who don't have two hands in Nepal or Kathmandu, they're probably going to end up homeless depending on whatever class system you're in or how much money you got. Uh, and it, it is something that I encountered a lot. So, you know, maybe they're looking at me because they think I should be homeless, or they're looking at me because they don't normally see people without two hands kind of walking around, or they're not used to seeing somebody with a certain amount of confidence, or just whatever. You know, I'm a foreigner. They're just trying to figure me out, basically. Uh, so I'm giving them the one-handed wave. I'm waving with my short side, and they're kind of giggling. And you know, I'm just letting them know it's cool. And then I go use the bathroom, and then, you know, the, this lady offers me tea. So I'm like, sure, I sit down, and the tea actually was very good. So I was just taking a moment to enjoy my tea, and there's a couple of girls, little, like they're eight, nine-year-old girls looking at me, trying to figure me out, too, and I'm smiling at them. And they're staring at me, and finally I just stick my tongue out at them, and one of them kind of smiles. She smirks, and I'm like, okay, that works. We have a little connection, so, you know. But every time I looked at her looking at me, she looked away, and then sometimes when she was looking at me, I didn't look at her. I just stick my tongue out at her, and she'd giggle, and that was cool. And there was a woman sitting next to me, and she's like, wow, you don't have two arms, and, you know, I've done many a podcast about this. I, I, You know, in my head, I'm like, no, I do have two arms. You know, I just don't have two hands. Now, I might not have two hands, but I am fully armed. But I didn't want to get into that with her. I just kind of let her do her own thing because I could tell she was very inquisitive and comp, uh, com contemplative about just like her life in one hand. And, you know, one thing I noticed is that People look at my one-handedness through the lens of their life. So typically the things that they question my ability to do comes through the lens of the life that they live, right? So this girl was, she's just kind of looking at me. She's like, wow, you, you, don't, you don't have 
two arms. Like, it, it must be so hard to do everything. And I was like, well, yeah, I, yeah, I guess, you know. <laughs> I just kind of giggled and drank my tea. And she's like, are you okay with this? And I'm like, well, yeah, what's my option? Just suffering all the time? And that kind of caught her a little bit. And she's like, well, it just, how do you do anything? And, and usually I get that question from children. So it was kind of cool to get it from an adult. And she was like, well, how do you, it must be impossible to brush your hair. And, (laughs) you know, because I had my hair down. I'm like, no, it's not impossible. It's not hard. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily easy, but it's totally doable. You know, and that's what I mean. Like she had really long hair and she was just thinking about what it took to, what it would take to comb her hair with one arm. But I have two arms, you know, and she mostly she's thinking about like what it would be like to do it with one hand. And I said, no, it's not that bad. And she's like, well, what do you do with your hair? And I was like, well, I have a hairpin, you know. And I was like, you want me to show you how to put it up, put it, how I put my hair up? And I showed her. And she's like, wow, that was so easy. It looks so easy. I'm like, it, it kind of is. She's like, but everything must be hard. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't have two hands. Everything is kind of hard, but I'm kind of used to that. And she's like, you, you, you're, you're okay with this. I'm like, yeah, you got to be. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm okay with it because I want to be happy, you know. And I'm like, that's this is the life I got. And she's like, wow, you're on, you're 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 not. Where are you from? And I said, America. And she's like, you're just an adventurer. You're on an adventure, and you don't have two hands. And I think she said two arms. And I'm like, yeah, you got to live life, you know. You gotta you gotta work with what you got. Basically, is what I told her. She, I could tell when I left, she was still kind of figuring it out. And I waved to the little girls and it just, it kind of was a thing, you know. And it's a thing that I get when I travel, especially when I'm going to places like Tibet and Nepal and China. And, you know, the, the looks I get in Europe, Czech Republic, oh, they're very different. And, in, you know, in Nepal and Tibet, you know, I had a friend, my friend Phil, basically, I was talking to him about it. And he said, well, basically... Alejandro, they stare at you because they wonder why you're not homeless. (laughs) And, you know, I share that with you. But when I was in Lumbini, Nepal, which is like a five hour drive, if you lived in America, it's probably an eight hour drive in a car in Nepal. But it's a 40 minute plane flight and it's the the birthplace of Buddha. And there's, you know, there's a lot of people begging for money because they know there's a lot of tourists and Lo and behold, what do I see is a woman that looks just like me. You know, I I couldn't quite tell if her arm was from birth or cut off. But it was below her elbow and she was begging. And uh, not not 100% sure if she's really a beggar. She could be married. She's, you know, attractive. And I don't, you know, I don't really know. And I didn't give her money the first time. And the second time I saw her, I did give her money. Okay, but then I'm I'm going to the birthplace of Buddha. This is one of the greatest pilgrimage places for Buddhists is the place Buddha was actually born. And they have a stone there, the marker stone that marks his birthplace. Uh, So I'm there to do Buddhist practice. I'm there as a pilgrimage and I'm there for three days. Right. Which is pretty uncommon. You know, it's very touristic. You know, there's a lot of tourists there. So people typically are showing up for, I don't know, 15 minutes or an hour and leaving. And, you know, the fact that I'm there for three days in a row kind of is throwing a few people. But I did notice that there was kind of a, 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 a male beggar carrying like a bunch of. 
He had a big bag. It was probably full of like plastic bottles. That's kind of his stick, you know, like oh, I'm carrying all these plastic bottles around. I'm recycling. I'm doing a good thing. You should give me money. And he's got a bad ankle and it looks bad. It looks totally broken and bent over or it was broken and bent over and healed funny. So, you know, it doesn't look that comfortable and he's got a little bit of a limp and he's kind of hitting me up for money. Like there were a few times and I said, no, no, I, you know, I'm not giving money away today. And, uh, but he, he was slightly relentless and he kept coming, you know, every, you know, cause I'm doing a lot of practice. I'm doing a lot of circumambulation. You know, I'm walking around clockwise around these sacred areas and doing mantra practice. And I'm taking now later, I'm taking a break. I'm drinking water and he's approaching me and he seems a little miffed that I'm not going to, I'm not giving him money. And it's funny because he, he just was like, you know, he just put out his hand, like, you know, you need to give me money. And then he pointed to his ankle, like, and then opened up his hand, like, give me money. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I, I lifted the arm that has no hand and I just pointed at it and I just opened my arms like, what, what do you want? You know? And, uh, you know, he kind of got that. But I think after the third day, he kind of realized that whatever shtick he's got is not working with me. And he can see that I see him a lot, enough to know that he's kind of working the system. The same with this other one-handed beggar, I guess. I can't quite figure it out because I, I did kind of see her on the side once with the wad of cash and... Uh, I guess that's not a bad thing. You know, even if she is married and her husband has a job, I mean, this is how she's earning money. But I did have a seat next to her, and uh, I was trying to open my water bottle, and she wanted to help me, and so she wanted to open it, you know. And, and it was kind of interesting watching somebody without two hands trying to open a bottle, a water bottle, because sometimes they're really filled with water, and the plastic wrapping at the top over the cap is tight, and... I just kind of let her do her own thing. It was it was pretty interesting, you know, uh, because I've seen that even in Tibet, there was a beggar who had one hand and he, you know, I gave him money and we had a moment where he was looking at me and I was looking at him and, you know, he's like, wow, you're just like me. And I'm like, yeah, wow, I'm just like you. And I, I got a job, but I live in America. Things are different. You know, we have a, a much more accessibility and openness about it. So you know, it's not a matter of judgment. It's just kind of a matter of situation, you know. So I gave her some money on that that moment. And, uh, yeah, it's you see a lot of people with disabilities begging for money. And even a guy with no hands at Swaibunath Stupa, the monkey temple. I gave him money because there's a guy in Tibet with no hands who's begging for money. and But he's got a beautiful smile and a great attitude. So I always give him money. I did a podcast with him on the cover, you know, no hands, beautiful smile, something like that. This other guy, uh, I'm not 100% sure about, but I did give him money on, on two occasions. So, um, you know, the one-handed thing in, in Kathmandu's a thing because I've been there twice now. This is my second time to Nepal. And once I went up, uh, I went up to the top of, Swaibunath Stupa, the monkey temple, and I went kind of to the backside. There's a park in the middle, and then they have a monastery at the back, and they, you know, they have a place where, I don't know, people do things. And when I showed up there, there was like uh, a bunch of Hindu musicians getting ready to do a concert, and they had like some music going, and 
or they were getting ready to do music, and I could tell over to my right, I saw that there were uh, maybe nine or 11 women in their 40s. They looked like they were the dancers, and there was a 12-year-old girl there, and they were all eyeballing me because I didn't have two hands, and, you know, I'm a foreigner, I'm there, you know, I'm confident, I'm comfortable, I'm an adventurer, I guess, and you know, they were just kind of trying to figure me out. And the little girl was staring pretty good. So I gave her a wave and all the women giggled. This is kind of common in in Kathmandu, you know. And and uh, I was, get, you know, I had my camera out. I had my gimbal out. I got to get all that together. And, you know, my hair is kind of getting in the way. And I went to go put up my hair, you know. And it's funny, too, because this woman, like, totally got up. I didn't see this, but she got up so she could get me in plain view, and then when I put my hair up, I, I happened to look over at her and she was kind of looking at me and, uh, you know, she kind of she gave me the thumbs up like, OK, right on. You can you can put your hair up like you can do things, you know. <laughs> I actually thought that was pretty cool, you know, because basically they just want to know I'm OK on some level. But it could also be that thing I was talking about that, you know, people look at me through the lens of their life and whatever it is that they think would be, you know, difficult to do with one hand, they, you know, they're like, oh, it must be hard to do this, you know, or it must be hard to whatever, you know. So, you know, they, maybe she thought it might be hard for me to put up my hair. But I thought that was cool. I gave her the thumbs up and, you know, we had a great little moment and the moment dissolved. I moved on and Another time, oddly enough, all this all this kind of stuff is happening at Swaibunath because I think I went there for six or seven days. Uh, and not full days. I think the last two were full days. But I, you know, I'd go, I'd do uh, Bodhanath Stupa in the morning and then I'd do the Monkey Temple in, in the afternoon and early evening. Uh, but I did go there six or seven times, which is what I really, one of the things I wanted to, to do. My main goal was to go to the birthplace of Buddha in Lumbini, and my second main goal was to visit a very famous Buddhist cave that people did a lot of retreats in, very prominent Buddhist figures of the past. So uh, I got to do both of those, which was great. But one time I was climbing up the, the 400 steps to get to the front side stupa of Swaibunath Stupa, the monkey temple, and I took a little break to tie my shoes, and, and uh, I looked up, and this guy was looking at me, and he was just, he gave, this dude gave me the double thumbs up. He's like, yeah, right on. Like, like yeah, I can do things. I can tie my shoe, and, uh, you know, people are curious because most people have to tie their shoes. Not everybody has to put their hair up, but, you know, people are curious about me tying my shoes. And, and uh, he gave me a big smile. He gave me a big smile. It was it was really, really sweet. You know, and this is, you know, these are kind of the things that happen to me a lot. I mean, they happen to me every day here in America. But if you listen to my last podcast, I had other very cool experiences coming out of very sacred areas. And, you know, I mean, Swaibunath Stupa, the monkey stupa is a very prominent pilgrimage spot and it's very famous for Buddhists and especially Tibetan Buddhists. It's uh you know, it's a place that Pama Sambhava went to and you know, I spent a lot of time there. So yeah, I had great experiences there. I had a lot of one handed experiences there and 
you know, I got a lot of stares. I mean, people just really spent a lot of time looking at my arm, which is amazing. And then I'd give them a the little bend and just, just to let them know, I know they were looking at me. Uh, so that's it, my friends. You know, that's, this is podcast uh, 267, A Hand in Kathmandu. And it's just more sharing experiences of Kathmandu with one-handed overtone because we are, this is the One Hand Speaks storytelling podcast. And I think uh, the next couple podcasts will have a Kathmandu Nepal overtone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep running with them because many, 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 many cool things happened in there. And uh, having one hand just, you know, made it that much more enjoyable. So with that, my friends, I'll bring it to a close, and I'm still running. I'm still running with Kathmandu. Namaste. See, I told you, he's strange and wonderful. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Alejandro with One Hand Speaks. Find me online at onehandspeaks.com and all your social media outlets. <laughs>